Welcome to the CEC report for the 9th of June 2017. I'm Elisa Barwick and joining me today is Robert Barwick. Welcome Robert. Thanks Elisa. And on today's show, UK election. The many have more power than the few. Woohoo! And secondly, London Bridge is British state terrorism. So firstly, to the good news, UK election, the many have more power than the few. Now, we can't definitively say it's good news just yet, but the results of the UK election, which as we sit here are being tallied, and there's been various exit polls and so forth, it's, it's about... It's about 2.30am over there right now. Yeah, that's right. So, and it could be a dragged out process with mm. a hung parliament and so forth. We don't really know, but it is a stunning result, Robbie, because... Jeremy Corbyn, the Labor of the opposition, started from about 25 points behind. And the fact that you could even be contemplating a hung parliament in this context is absolutely stunning. Yeah. So he, he, was, he was never supposed to get anywhere near this, right? In fact, they had the, the, all the um, standard political tactics had said to Theresa May, go now, you can win more than a 100-seat majority. The Conservatives, you could entrench the Conservatives in power for you know, two decades, right? You've got the worst opposition leader in history, the most hopeless opposition leader in history, the most unfit person ever be put, put up as a contender for a prime minister. You're gonna sweep the floor with this guy. And it didn't happen. Now, let me uh, take over for a little while, Elisa. I just wanna show that we're gonna put these up on the screen, but um, we have the pleasure and often the displeasure of watching this closely. We watch it closely because um, we know uh, Jeremy Corbyn. We don't, we're not claiming to have any special relationship with him or whatever, but because we're on a global campaign for Glass-Steagall, which requires every country in the world to pass legislation to separate their banking system so you can take away the power of the City of London and Wall Street over the economy and over national governments, right, and protect people from the next crash, it is definitely going to happen. We've been travelling to the UK, travelling to other places, meeting members of parliament, and we got to meet Jeremy Corbyn when he was a lowly backbencher, and that's all he ever was. For 30 years, he was a lowly backbencher who was, who kept being, you know, was happy to be a backbencher because he refused to compromise his principles. And I saw, I was watching ABC 730, um, no, correspondent, sorry, foreign correspondent on the ABC this week, mm. was the most pathetic piece of garbage ever. Australia wants to censor the truth about what's happening. The Australian media wants to censor the truth about what's happening in the UK at the moment. So they, they went and spoke to a Labor um, candidate in Wales. And this is one of those Labor members of Parliament who's been anti-Corbyn. And he said, the reason Corbyn is so hopeless is because he just doesn't know how to, how to operate an office. He won't do the dirty deals you've got to do. That's what he said, right? He won't do the dirty deals you've got to do. And that, not only is that unfit to be Prime Minister, it's unelectable, according to them. And that was their big thing. This guy is unelectable. So, and of course, no mention of his actual policies in well, terms of renationalising rail, creating a national investment bank to fund the rebuilding of Britain and Glass-Steagall, or at least in the direction of Glass-Steagall, which is all in their manifesto. They didn't want any focus on policies whatsoever. They wanted it just on his personality and they demonised the guy. And the problem is their demonisation was a lie, right? But for the sake of it, you won't believe what I'm about to show you. This is what Corbyn has dealt with in the press just in the last few days. And it makes even more extraordinary the results we're going to see where it could likely be a hung parliament. Certainly not this donkey majority. She's losing seats, Theresa May, right? And this was all his enemies in his own party are having to eat humble pie right now. So I'll put up the 
This is the Daily Mail, the, probably the biggest paper in the UK, um, the day before the election. Apologists for terror. Corbyn and his, and his allies, John McDonnell and Diane Abbott. Apologists for terror, straight after London Bridge attack. The Sun, we'll put some of the Sun headlines on the screen from the, from the internet. The Sun devoted 13 pages on that day to, to effectively Corbyn being a terrorist, mm. right? Because he has connections to the IRA and all this kind of stuff. This guy is an actual terrorist. Um, uh, you have this one here. This is, this is an article from the, the Telegraph. Exclusive. This is the day before the election. Exclusive. MI5 open file on Jeremy Corbyn amid concerns over his IRA links. And people were saying, this is, this is the Telegraph in league with the Conservatives and MI5 to try and unfairly cruel this guy's chances because it was quite blatant. Mm. This guy's a threat to their establishment. Um, the, the papers on the actual day had headlines like this. This is the Daily Mail headline on voting day today. Let's reignite the British spirit. Great, great big promotion of Theresa May. Mm. The Sun, Rupert Murdoch's The Sun. Don't chuck Britain in the core bin, right? And they had this list of things about him. Terrorist friend, useless on Brexit, destroyer of jobs, enemy of business, massive tax heights, puppet of unions, nuclear surrender, ruinous spending, open immigration, Marxist extremists. And you're thinking, well, in the face of all that, how is it possible he's going to be able to get absolutely anywhere? So then you've got, you've got to take into account um, the fact that why we call this segment, Lisa, for the many, not the few, is because this is the establishment. They're not the ones voting, and they know that, right? And what those paper, newspaper headlines were showing is just how terrified they were because this guy is a real threat to the establishment. So some of the, some, you started to see some signs of some humour entering the campaign in response to this because people in Britain just don't take it seriously. I'll put this picture of the, the sun up on the screen. People took that headline, that, that front page of the sun attacking Corbyn and turned it around on Rupert Murdoch. We hate you and we hate this country. In a big picture of Rupert Murdoch, we hate democracy, we hate paying tax, we hate your NHS, we hate women, we hate people of colour, we hate the disabled, we hate paying tax, we hate poor people, we hate hope. Mm. Um, we'll play a video of... Uh, uh, this was so over the top. This was a really classic response, so I want to play this. And this is a guy named Aaron Bastani from the media called Navarra Media. And he was asked about this media coverage of Jeremy Corbyn. And listen to what he had to say, because he was just totally spot on. Particularly when it comes to some of their key figures, I mean, just looking at some of the tabloids today, and they are, you know, shamelessly going for um, uh, Corbyn and Labour bashing today. I mean, the Daily Mail, for instance, has pictured Jeremy Corbyn, Diane Abbott and uh, John McDonnell on their front page. And those for them have been dredging up associations they had in the past to, with, with groups that perhaps are unpalatable, shall we say, uh, to the wider electorate. Yes, that's absolutely true. But the papers uh, which are carrying that, the Express, the Mail, the Sun, you've got the Daily Mail there. You know, Lord Rothermere is a tax dodger. The gentleman who's running the Tory party campaign, Linton Crosby, is a non-dom tax dodger. He has a... Well, we're, well, we're not going to get into personal a, slurs because obviously that's well, no, what we're talking about, about people carrying no, out personal no, slurs. Let's not get into no, any of that. No, I just no, talk no, about the a, fact that their past yeah, it's is about, being... Yeah. Their past it's is about being the many, dragged into it's this about, and that's been a low. It's about... Yeah, it's about the many, not the few. It's about a politics of the many, not the few. That's a media of the few, for the few, and the Conservative Party is the party agendas. of the yeah. few. Precisely. And they're on the same side, and they want to keep the system rigged against ordinary people, against 95% of us who won't be paying more tax because they are absolutely, I'll insert the expletive there, scared 
that there could be a Labour government, it's possible, and there could be a coalition Labour government or a Labour minority or a Labour majority government. And that would mean a lot of things. Better regulated media, more tax on uh, the very wealthy, and we're going to end tax dodgers like Linton Crosby and Lord Rothermere getting away with it. Do you think uh, this has damaged Labour? No, I mean, I price in the print media attacking Jeremy Corbyn, you know, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you price it in. So I'm not even going to complain about it. They're doing, they're doing their job. That's what the Daily Mail and the Sun are going to do. They don't care about Britain. They're not patriots. They care about tax dodgers and they care about helping a home secretary who cut police numbers, who oversaw the free movement of jihadists in and out of Libya after 2011. They're not asking the right questions because they don't care about this country. So the media here are clearly representing the few, but Jeremy Corbyn's campaign slogan for the many, not the few, explicitly refers to a poem written by the English poet Percy Bysshe Shelley in 1819 called The Mask of Anarchy. And in his very last campaign speech for the entire election, in the concluding portion of it, Jeremy Corbyn actually quoted from the very last stanza of this poem, which we're going to play for you now. Rise like lions after slumber, in unvanquishable number. Shake your chains to earth like dew, that in sleep have fallen on you. Ye are many, they are few. So, I mean, that, that captures the guy, Jeremy Corbyn, who they were trying to demonise as this monster about to take over Britain. And we're going to talk about that more in the next segment. But um, the point that we made in the alert service this week that people should call in and get a copy of is that Corbyn's campaign destroys the establishment's lie. And the establishment's lie is they want the, the, the many to think that the few have the power. Mm. But, of course, it's never true. The many always have the power. And Corbyn wanted people to understand that. And that's why he made that explicit. And you have to say with this result, he got his message across. I can vouch for most of his policies. We don't agree with all of them, but you know, look, people got to see his policies. We can't, don't have time to go through them all now. Look them up in, in Labor's manifesto. They're really, really good, renationalising things that were privatised and all that. Labor in Australia should take a, learn a lesson from it. But probably the best scene to capture what people started to see about politics in Britain is conveyed in this song. Someone composed this really, really good song mm. and so... As we go to the break, let's play this song and people can see that the many started to laugh at the few and this is where the results come from. We moguls of the media were really at a loss the polls suggest we're failing at our task We've tried the circumspect approach It's time for the direct approach Instead of smear campaigning We'll just ask For many centuries we've had a system that works fine We lounge in our mansions you crawl down the mines We send you off to futile wars You die in the front line Can't you see that's how it's meant to be? So 
Please don't vote for Mr. Corbyn Never trust a man who doesn't lie Though he might seem an able type He's not the strong and stable type He's got the wealthy classes terrified Please don't vote for Mr. Corbyn A fool like him could wreck the status quo There'd be no more bankers' bonuses If he gets in the onuses On us to pay the taxes that we owe The sun says he's an awful chap Dear Rupert's done his best But somehow you've stopped falling for the spin The BBC attacks him They even sent out Paxman to make sure that Jeremy can't win He whines about the NHS Brings up that bloody war He says the nation is a mess The rich feed off the poor We expect no thanks from you For opening food banks for you Just don't elect that man we all deplore Please don't vote for Mr. Corbyn He hangs out with terrorists, you know He thought that Mandela was quite a pleasant fella Back when the rest of us just didn't think so What about Teresa and her hubby? Please don't let yourselves be led astray for Phil's a merchant banker and his banking friends won't thank her If she lets a bloody lefty win the day He'll make us all contribute more and close all our accounts offshore Please don't vote for Mr. Corbyn Welcome back to the CEC Report, where we're now discussing London Bridge is British state terrorism. So while Jeremy Corbyn was copping all this flack in the latter phase of the campaign, with two terrorist attacks having occurred, Theresa May, who was Home Secretary for several years, got off scot-free and there were no questions, hard yep. questions asked of her. Now, we want to make the point, and we put this out in a media release yesterday, that two Australians died on London Bridge and others were injured. Our Prime Minister should be demanding answers of Theresa May, I mean, among the British citizens as well. Um, so our press release was titled, Two Australians Killed by the British State's Terrorist Turnbull Must Demand Justice. Now, what are we looking at here in terms of the spate of terrorism that occurred in this lead up to the election? Well, f well first of all, we're looking at the operatives, the operations of what you could call Britain's secret state or deep state. And these are the enemies of the public, but they're, but they're definitely enemies of Jeremy Corbyn. Before I go into the details, one of these front pages today, the Daily Telegraph front page, to scare people into voting for the Conservatives was, your country needs you. And on the side they had 
a, head, a smaller headline, Corbyn would not be allowed into security services, so he's not fit for number 10. It's by the former director of MI5, Sir Richard Dearlove. Now, this was had nothing to do with getting people to vote in a certain way. Only, only Tories read the, the Telegraph anyway. This was a shot across the bow, right? Because he's MI6 and MI5 run terrorism. And the London Bridge attackers, their pedigree proves it as much as anything, right? And so that's what we went through in the press release. And I'll just, before I go, another thing just to mention before I go into the details. Um, it's now Friday here, Thursday night here in Melbourne. There was a, a, a World Cup um, soccer qualifying fixture between Australia and Saudi Arabia, at which there was a minute's silence for the two Australian victims of the London Bridge attack. And the Saudi Arabian team deliberately ignored and chose not to honour that minute's silence. And it, people had to say, what on earth is going on? How could they do that? Mm. And I heard some commentary on the media finally say, well, it is Saudi Arabia is accused of, accused of funding terrorism. Damn straight they fund terrorism. We've been going through that for a long time. It just shows you how much this permeates down to the Saudi public. They're, they follow the Wahhabi doctrine of Islam, which is evil, right? Islam is not evil. Wahhabism is evil, intentionally evil. And the British Empire, going back a long time, knew that they could control and manipulate that sect and unleash it to do bad stuff. This is British involvement in terrorism goes back a long way. Specifically, though, in the case of the London Bridge attack, You've, and, and also the Manchester bombing just before it. You've got people there who were either directly involved in fighting in Libya and Syria with either ISIS or Al-Qaeda. And if they weren't involved in that, they were involved in recruiting people in the United Kingdom to go and fight in Libya and Syria with ISIS and Al-Qaeda. So before I go through the names of the people involved, a couple of things to note that the Saudis fund extremists in Moss in the UK and Prince Charles set up the mechanism by which they do it. He personally set it up, invited them in to go and build a whole heap of mosques and fund them. And that's where the source of Wahhabi extremism in the UK comes from. And this is known from an MI5 report was, was commissioned into this, mm. into the funding of extremism in the UK. And what's known, the report is suppressed, the government's not released it. But what's known about it is the reason they haven't released it is because it's focused on the Saudis, right? Um, and so this is the state, the fact they're, they're protecting the Saudis from this report being made public, like they did with the serious fraud office investigation to Al-Yamama, the British government shut that down, which also showed Saudis' involvement in terrorism, right? Um, this is, there alone is the, the British state uh, colluding with terrorists. Mm. What we're going to go through, though, is more explicit. Yeah, we've got to take a quick break, but we're back to the details right after this. Welcome back. Now, these people, these terrorists that we're talking about who are known to MI5 and MI6 and who are running this terrorism, um, the police have repeatedly complained about their inability to intervene. They told, um, uh, they said in regard to one particular terrorist that MI5 had repeatedly prevented them from arresting him. And in August 2016, a Met counter-terrorism officer told The Telegraph, I am gobsmacked that we allowed this terrorist to carry on as long as he did. He was up to his neck in it, but the police can't do full investigations on people if the security service they are working on 
of the security say they are working on a really big job because they have the priority. That is what they did constantly. Yes. Now, the person they're talking about is a terrorist named Anjum Chowdhury. And he was allowed to operate for 15 years, actually more than that, but 15 years after his organisation was banned, basically. Um, and the terrorists on the London Bridge were his followers. Mm. Now, so what the, what the official line is, MI5 has to monitor 23,000 extremists in the UK, therefore few slip through the cracks. Okay, let's assume they're sincere. If you're going to monitor 23,000 extremists, you're going to do it productively. Wouldn't you prioritise the ones that are known to be connected to other people who have done committed terrorist attacks? And this guy Chowdhury, his followers include the two people who killed Lee Rigby on the London street in broad daylight and beheaded him. He was the soldier. The British, the, the soldier. British soldier Lee Rigby in 2013. Mm -hmm. They openly, they beheaded him in front of everyone and stood there waving their... They were followers of Anjum Chowdhury. One of the London Bridge attackers, Karim Butt, he was also a follower of Anjum Chowdhury. After Lee Rigby's killers were arrested, Anjum Chowdhury and his supporters demonstrated in front of the Westminster Parliament in their support. Mm. That's how blatant they are, right? In their support. There was a kerfuffle because other Muslims came along, one guy from a de-radicalisation organisation, and they were having a, a, a fight with these extremists and saying, you know, shut up and go away, you people are terrible, you're giving Islam a bad name. Um, and it got to a, a verbal stoush, and the police had to intervene and drag Anjum Chowdhury away. But they didn't just drag Anjum Chowdhury, they dragged four people away, and one of them was mm. Karim Butt. So they knew exactly who he they was. They knew exactly who he was, his relationship to Anjum Chowdhury. Mm -hmm. The next year, Karim Butt appears, we'll put some of the footage on the screen, in a Ch Channel 4 documentary mm. called The Jihadis Next Door. And that documentary shows him praying in a park with an ISIS flag, etc., it also, in the same documentary, it shows another person named Siddhartha Dar, who later, an extremist hate preacher in the UK, later that year he's arrested by the police. He's put on bail, but he's ordered to hand in his passport and he's allowed to walk out of the police station on the assumption he was going to get his passport and bring it back. Instead, mm. he goes and gets his wife and kids, gets on a bus, goes across to... Um, Syria, next thing you know, he appears, he shows up in Syria with his family, having joined ISIS, and he appears in an ISIS execution film dressed in black. You can just tell by his eyes, it's him and, and his British accent and the way his voice, committing an execution. They called him the second jihadi John. Mm. So he, that association with this guy, Karim Butt, yet the British security services are not prioritising this particular yeah. cell of people. Apart, so Karim Butt. Now, Anjum Chowdhury's organisation with this Karim Bhatt, what they did is they were connected to 15 terrorist attacks and the recruitment of 500 jihadis to go to Syria. Now, here's where it gets people have to start calling a spade a spade. What were they doing in Syria? Oh, they were fighting with ISIS and Al-Qaeda. Yes, that's bad. What were they doing in Syria? They were doing British government policy in Syria, overthrowing Assad. What was the Manchester bomber doing in Libya. Libya, British government policy in Libya, Time overthrowing us Gaddafi, and Theresa May as Home Secretary, in his case, lifted the control orders they had on because they knew they were terrorists. They lifted the control orders so they could travel to, to Libya and fight with Al-Qaeda to do that, right? These are the British state's own terrorists. So, Elisa, this is not blowback for Iraq and Libya and Syria. This is not blowback. This is not revenge. These are their own terrorists. And what they do is commit attacks that then give the British state more power, more terrorism laws, etc. 
And who was the biggest threat to that? Well, he's just, he, he might get elected tonight in the UK. Mm -hmm. Call in for more because it's documented every week in our Australian Alert Service. Thanks for tuning in to the CC Report. Thanks, Robert. Join us next week. Thank you.